Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. It's Mackenzie Britton here. I'm the producer for the podcast and your temporary host while Pastor Joe is on vacation. Joining us for our latest summer sermon series is Dr. Douglas Strong, the Paul T. Walls Professor of Wesleyan Studies and the History of Christianity at Seattle Pacific University. Dr. Strong shares reflections on this week's scripture, Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 31. Check it out now on Bothell Amplified. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Holy words for God's people. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you and uh, to be able to worship with you. I've known of your congregation for many years, uh, and am grateful for your uh, support for Seattle Pacific Seminary. Uh, both uh, DJ Del Rosario and uh, Joe Kim now are, have been on the, uh, uh, the board of uh, Seattle Pacific Seminary assisting us, and we're very grateful for their support and the way in which the congregation supports us by supporting your, uh, your intern, uh, who is one of our students. So it's great for me to be here and to be able to uh, speak for you and uh, the Word of God today. By the way, I thought Susanna did an amazing job of telling the story, and I'm not sure I have any job to do anymore. <laughs> it's, it's already been told to you this morning, but uh, we'll try, we'll try uh, for ourselves as well. Let's think about that story of Jacob. You know, Jacob is one of the great patriarchs, of course, of the Old Testament, uh, and it's so interesting because he takes up a big chunk of the book of Genesis, about nine chapters, and those are long chapters. And so clearly, the biblical account, the biblical narrative, sees Jacob as a very important figure. But the guy was no saint, right? He was really problematic. And so isn't it interesting how the Bible, the biblical accounts, help to lift up the stories of people who really are challenging for us to hear about and to read about. Maybe that helps us out a little bit to think, oh, our stories are important too, even when maybe they have some difficulties and problems. And uh, I find that actually helpful. 
So clearly they thought of him as very, the Bible thinks of him as important, not very uh, laudable in many ways. Uh, we see him, of course, as somebody who's a schemer, a cunning schemer. The story starts off with him as a, in the womb, uh, the story goes, that he was grabbing the heel of his brother Esau as he comes out of the womb. So he's given the name of Jacob, meaning grasper, one, one who's uh, always trying to be number one, always trying to be ahead. What do you think that that means for him? How does he live his life? Well, it feels as if, at least in, this, in that society, he was one who didn't feel like he got the, sh the fair shake because he was the second twin to be born. And so he's always scheming, always trying to do something to uh, get himself ahead. For instance, as a young man, Jacob tricked his father into giving him the blessing that was supposed to be for his brother. And when this happened, not surprisingly, his brother Esau was furious, and he threatened to kill Jacob. And Jacob had to flee the family estate in fear and disgrace and didn't return for many years. Now, after that debacle, Jacob wandered around aimlessly, ending up who knows where, if you will, in a wilderness, sleeping in the open air. But rather than abandoning Jacob when he'd messed up so badly, God came to Jacob in a vision during his sleep, and in spite of Jacob's manipulation and opportunism, God nevertheless looked after him. In that dream, in that vision, God told Jacob that he would be with him. I love this line. I'll be with you and will, be, and will go with you wherever you go. That's the line that was given to him. I love that, right? I am with you and will go with you wherever you go. You know, that was a wonderful promise of God's pro providence and care. And God never abandons us either, even when we find ourselves like Jacob in a wilderness of our own making. God promises to be with us and to go with us wherever we end up. Now, lots of events happened to Jacob over the years, and similar to the lives of most of us, his life events included a lot of good and a lot of bad. And like us, Jacob's bad events often resulted from poor choices. And meanwhile, during all those years, Jeff, Jacob kept playing over and over again in his head about how he'd tricked his brother out of what he deserved. I, I think that Jacob could only imagine the hatred and the anger felt by Esau. So after 20 years of roaming restlessly, trying to make a name for himself, Jacob finally came to a place where he realized that he needed some resolution in his life. I think sometimes we come to that realization for ourselves. We need some resolution. It was past time for him to meet up with his brother and deal with the after effects of their family dysfunction. But when it was reported to Jacob that Esau was coming to him with 400 men, <laughs> Jacob was terrified. And the text says that Jacob was, this is an understatement, quote, greatly afraid and distressed. <laughs> of course he was. <laughs> Jacob wondered what Esau was going to do with him. Was he going to destroy him? To protect the rest of the family, Jacob sent them all across the river. And Jacob stayed 
overnight by himself. Alone with his thoughts that night, Jacob was plagued with worry and guilt and remorse. And the text says that during the night in the darkness, quote, a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Who the heck was that man? (laughs) Biblical interpreters throughout history have conjectured about the identity of Jacob's wrestler. Was he an angel? Was he Jacob's alter ego or his conscience? Was he God the Father? Was he the Holy Spirit? Some Christian writers, including John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, have speculated that the wrestler was an Old Testament premonition of Jesus. And so Charles Wesley, John Wesley's brother, wrote a famous hymn about the story of Jacob's wrestling. And we're going to sing that hymn right after the sermon. And it may not be a familiar one to you, familiar Wesley hymn, but it's a beautiful one, an amazing uh, set of lyrics. In this hymn, Charles Wesley referred to the wrestler by several names. For example, Wesley called the wrestler the traveler unknown. I like that. It's an evocative and figurative description. And in another example from the hymn, Wesley identifies this unknown traveler as someone whose name is, quote, pure universal love. What Wesley is stating poetically is that the wrestler in this story is really Jesus, and that by dying for us, Jesus offers each and every one of us the type of pure, unconditional, self-giving love that all of us are desperately longing for in our lives, and Jacob was longing for, and why he acted out so poorly so much of the time, because this is all he wanted, was to really be loved uniquely. And that's what Jesus is offering us, Charles Wesley says. In truth, we'll never know exactly who the wrestler was in this biblical story. But it doesn't really matter because whoever it was, an angel, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, we know that at least by proxy, if not directly, Jacob was actually wrestling with God because later in the story, Jacob specifically says that he was. So what does it mean for us to wrestle with God? Well, it seems to me that there are different ways in which we can wrestle with God. The first kind of wrestling with God is when you or I or a loved one is dealing with illness or depression or grief or anxiety or hurt or fear, any situation over which we don't have any control. We read about such wrestling in the Psalms and in Proverbs and in the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, and we read about it in even Jesus' prayer at Gethsemane. At such times, we plead with God to tell us why such and such a predicament has befallen us. And we wrestle with God because the answers to our questions are not clear to us. The second kind of wrestling with God is more noble and courageous. Uh, This wrestling takes place when we're faced with an ethical dilemma, a choice about what road to take regarding a moral decision. The most famous example of this type of ethical wrestling during the past century was when Dietrich Bonhoeffer 
the famous Christian pastor in Germany during Nazism, decided to participate in a plot to assassinate Hitler. Bonhoeffer believed deeply in Jesus' words that we should turn the other cheek and forgive our enemies. But on the other hand, Bonhoeffer was convinced that Hitler's regime was evil and needed to be taken down. So Bonhoeffer asked God questions. Is it ever morally right to kill somebody? Could God forgive Bonhoeffer if he did attempt to kill somebody? For months, Bonhoeffer prayed and anguished about his dilemma. He struggled deeply within his soul. And eventually he resolved that he would, in fact, participate in the assassination attempt. The plot failed. Bonhoeffer and his co-conspirators were arrested, put in prison. And later, Bonhoeffer wrote about his decision. And he said he was convinced, he's convinced that Christians are required to confront evil directly. We are not allowed as Christians to just avoid evil when we see it. But to do so means, and this is to quote Bonhoeffer, no one who lives in this world can remain disentangled and morally pure and completely free of guilt. Bonhoeffer's wrestling helped him to come to a determination about how he should act, even though it still left him with ambiguity. The third kind of wrestling with God is less noble and, quite frankly, sometimes quite selfish, but nevertheless, such wrestling is still valuable for us to engage in, and this is the kind of wrestling that Jacob did on that night before he met his brother. This kind of wrestling takes place when we deal straightforwardly with the repercussions that result from our negative behaviors. Jacob wrestled with God because he was about to face the consequences of his actions. Jacob needed to confront the regret and the misgivings that plagued his soul and then to bring those failures before God so that he could find forgiveness and peace of mind. The scripture text makes several observations about Jacob's wrestling. First, as Susanna mentioned, <laughs> the wrestler put Jacob's hip out of joint. Clearly, wrestling with God is not child's play. When we contend with God, we're marked, we're changed, indeed, we'll be put out of joint. If we expect to, for God to deal forthrightly with our sin, with the hurts we've caused, with the pain we've inflicted, then we should expect that we will be remade, and sometimes that will hurt. And it certainly won't be easy. The second observation made in the Genesis passage about uh, Jacob's encounter with God is that the wrestler gave Jacob a new name, a new identity. Instead of being Jacob, the grasper, he became Israel, one who wrestles or struggles or contends or strives with God. Why all this fuss about somebody's name? In the U.S., names often don't seem to have much significance at all. Parents often choose a name because they like the sound of it, 
Um, they heard a song. <laughs> I remember looking up the derivation of my name, Douglas. I had such high hopes that it would be something heroic or valorous. I looked it up in Scottish, it means beside the dark waters. <laughs> great. <laughs> but Hebrew names always have great significance. They refer to something about the character of a person. And so when Jacob's name was changed to, from grasper to God wrestler, his identity was marked as someone who dealt earnestly and sincerely with the sins and the failures of his life. So someone who deals honestly with the failures in their life is a God wrestler. The third observation made in the biblical text about Jacob's wrestling incident is that the wrestler blessed Jacob, which indicates God's approval with Jacob and the way in which God finally got to a place where he struggled honestly and authentically by facing up to his imperfections and to the shame that he felt. After the blessing, Jacob called the place where he wrestled Peniel, which means face of God, because Jacob believed that he had indeed met God face to face. So when Jacob wrestled with God, he was first put out of joint, second given a new name, and third blessed. But that's not the end of the story. In the next chapter, which we didn't read for today, Jacob finally meets up with his brother. Given his newfound self-understanding, Jacob is able to approach Esau with humility and vulnerability the first time in his life that he does so. He bears gifts to Esau and postures respectfully before him. And Esau, and this is beautiful, responds similarly by treating Jacob with immense kindness. Jacob is so overcome by emotion at this turn of events that he blurts out to his brother, to see your face is like seeing the face of God because you've received me with such favor. Now remember that Jacob had, in fact, just seen God's face. So Jacob was comparing his formerly estranged brother to God. What an image of reconciliation. In the musical version of Les Miserables, the chorus sings the following line. To love another person is to see the face of God. And what is the content of God's character as demonstrated in God's face? Charles Wesley says it well in the hymn that we're about to sing about the unknown traveler. This is what he says. Tis love, this is describing God through Jesus. Tis love, tis love. Thou died for me. I hear thy whisper in my heart. The morning breaks. The shadows flee, pure universal love thou art. 
This kind of love, the kind of love we see in God's face, in God's character, it's not a feeling, but a self-sacrificing concern for one another as represented by God's forgiveness for us. This morning, I'm going to leave you with several questions, and I hope as we sing the hymn and then participate in Holy Communion today, which is, after all, uh, uh, remembering and celebrating uh, Christ's death for us, this love that has been given so freely, this universal love for us, as we, as we participate in these uh, acts of worship, this singing, this communion, I'm going to leave you with several questions. Have you wrestled with God? Do you need to do so? Are you willing to be put out of joint by the struggle that will ensue if you do so? <laughs> Another question. What is your name? I don't mean your actual name. Doug Douglas is kind of inconsequential. <laughs> Maybe yours is, I don't know. But your character, your identity, what is it? Who, what would others say it is? What would you say it is? What would God say it is? Have you met God face to face? Has God blessed you with forgiveness and transformation? And finally, are you able to see God's face in the people around you? Most especially, do you see God's face in those who've been estranged from you? My prayer for all of us is that we will wrestle with God. The God of love as demonstrated in Jesus until we're put out of joint and receive a new name and are blessed and can know our true character before God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we have this amazing and challenging and difficult story from the scripture. And Lord, we pray that as we think about Jacob, we'll think about ourselves because that isn't the intent, that is the intent of this story for us to be able to identify with his struggles and his imperfections but also the way in which you helped him to come around to know his true self. Lord, if there is work that needs to be done with our brother, our sister, our friend, even our estranged enemy, Lord, uh, help us to do that work. Lord, if there are things that need to be put out of joint, we really don't want to be hurt, but sometimes we know we will need to be. God, give us the grace to be able to do that work and to participate with you in what you are doing in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.